Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I'm welcome, Josh. Welcome everybody, I'm Jimmy. And we are so... Oh, I'm so excited. Excited. I'm shivering. Normally we're not excited to interview people. I've got a trimmer running <laughs> up my leg. <laughs> but our first ever second time guest. I know. A Mrs. Jamie Ivy. Jamie, thank you for being on again. I wish we You're had an applause so track. Welcome. I know. I feel completely honored <laughs> to be welcome back because there's you a lot of people. Who pay, so thank you. I was going to say double amputee, but it's sort of it's <laughs> our first double interview. Yes. We're really excited. So obviously, to our audience, she does not need an introduction, but I'll do one anyway. Jamie Ivy is a podcaster. She is a podcast host of The Happy Hour. She's a blogger. And then she is also now a first-time writer. And so we had to have her back on to talk about her book. Jamie, your book is entitled If You Only Knew. Tell us about the book. You know, every time someone introduces me as an author, I sometimes feel like, wait, is this real? Did this really just happen? But yes, I'm releasing a book in January, which is crazy and all kinds of things. It's called If You Only Knew. Uh, and basically, it's just my story. Uh, a lot of it's very story driven, and it's my story of growing up. Um, I grew up in the church, uh, made a lot of bad choices, and then went into a a marriage with a pastor, and really just carried a lot of shame and guilt into that marriage. And it's just my journey of God showing me that actually He did forgive me of all my sins, and He mm-hmm. redeemed all of me, and He mm-hmm. uses me in spite of myself. And so, I meet a lot of women. A lot of women who have this thing inside of them where they literally think, if people knew this about me, I don't know what they would think. And I just want to debunk it. I want to say, if people knew this about you, then they should say, oh, glory to God. Look how awesome God is. Look what he's done in your life instead of, oh, look how we used to be or look what we struggle with. Like, I just want, I want God to get glory for what he's doing. Absolutely. You know, when I read the the title, uh, it was just, it, it, it was one of those titles that I paused and thought that you have hit upon something that is universal. Every person who who picks up that book, who sees the title, if they only knew, or if you only knew, can appreciate that because every person has pondered that in their heart. And you touched on it. That is, um, that's the earmark of harboring shame. And when I feel as though, boy, if, if, if who I really was was made public, no one would love me, no one would accept me, no one would like me, that then causes isolation. Isolation breeds sin and pathology. Tell us about your journey of having this internal world that you didn't want other people to know. Yeah, when I got, when I started dating my husband, Aaron, I was a new believer. And Although I grew up in the church, I have been in church my entire life. My my family is all believers. I don't think that I started following Jesus until I was around 21. Um, I would have said that I was a Christian. I would have acted like a Christian on Sundays and Wednesdays. Um, but I just, there was no fruit in my life. And so I look back and I think, man, God captured my heart and my attention when I was 21. 
And then, you know, almost a year later, I start dating the pastor. And it was just, I felt as though I was in a situation where if these people knew where I had been the last five years of my life, I just don't think that they would understand. And I put that a lot of that on myself. I don't think they would understand. I think they would think less of me. I think they would wonder if I should be dating Aaron, all of these questions. Yeah. And then we ended up getting married and I just still carried that into me. And I, I remember the first time I shared my whole story with a friend. I mean, I sat her down, like I was about to just like tell her, you know, I have a double life and all these things. <laughs> and she just held it there with me and she didn't mm-hmm. think less of me. She didn't shame me. She actually like said how amazing God had worked in my life. And I got up from that conversation and I thought, that feels really good. I wonder if I could do that again. And it took me years to really feel as though I'm confident in who God has made me and what he's Mm. doing in me that I can share about my past. And I don't feel shame over it. I feel that God is amazing. Uh, And so that's what I decided. You know what? I think that a lot of people might be dealing with this. Maybe I should just write this story down. And that's what we have here, guys. Yeah, that's what we got. You know, kind of like in Meet the Fockers, the circle of trust. It's one thing, I think, to bring in these, you know, these people that know you and that you love them, they love you and, and reveal this. You just wrote a book for the entire globe to read your story. What, what is a feeling about, you know, sharing, you know, what was held inside you for so long? My mom is asking the same question, you guys. (laughs) My mom is wondering (laughs) the same thing you're asking. Um, you know, here's what it was. I get the wonderful opportunity to travel and speak to women at churches. And a couple of years ago, I was sharing some of my story and I had some women come up to me and I shared this story all the time because it's really what made me kind of think this is an epidemic. I shared parts of my story and women came up to me and they said, man, that must be really hard for you to say out loud. And I thought to myself, goodness gracious, it's not hard because Jesus is so much better. And so I look around and I get to see women and I've got women who are like, man, if people knew the anger that I struggle with, or if people knew that I am an alcoholic, or if people knew that I had an abortion, or if people knew the struggle that my husband and I are having. And so for me, it was just this matter of, I'll just go first. I'll just lay it all out there on the table. I'll go first. And then we can do this together. That's kind of the mentality that I want the book to feel like of like, I'm laying all my cards on the table. Now you go ahead and let's so go can. as well. Yeah. 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 Too. All right. One more quick one. Um, Josh is, is. And is, before you do that, though, did, do you think you'd work in a Meet the Fockers reference? Uh, <laughs> That's the best, I, actually. I love that. didn't start there. <laughs> and, and again, since I don't look at those type movies, uh-huh, I heard, uh-huh, uh-huh. I heard yeah, about heard that, that concept yeah, from the film. Exactly. Church. Church is a Petri dish that grows hypocrisy. It's like when you walk through the doors of a church, every, it's, it's almost a universal experience, whoo, if these people only knew. Because it's like we, we feel like I've got to present myself as unbroken because no one else in here is broken. How, how do you suggest that the church stop being this charade of, of perfect believers and and I know there's a big thing now about authenticity, but it also can become a kind of a faux authenticity. It's a it's a shallow, I'm going to be as authentic as I need to be in order to look authentic, but the real stuff I'm still going to keep inside. What do you say to the church, how we can break these walls down and be really authentic with each other? Yeah, I get this question a lot, especially after writing this. My husband's is on staff at a church and, you know, I have a Christian podcast and I speak to women around the country. And I have been extremely blessed to go to a church that I believe models this really well. I think 
personally, I think it starts from the very top of the church of, I'll, I'll use the word organization, but we know, you know, it's a, the church body of that, the leaders of that church body. I think it starts at the top. I think that when you have pastors and elders who are willing to say, Hey, we, we have we have sin struggles as well when they're willing to say that and and they're not putting up this front as though they have it all together yep. because the thing is we're we're not called to just keep on sinning we're called to fight our sin but if no one ever acknowledges that we're fighting sin then everyone thinks we're just perfect and that's that's what sets up that hypocrisy that you spoke about as we walk in and we think man these people can't be fighting anything mm-hmm. Really, man, we've got people in church leadership who are fighting depression. And you know what? We need to say that out loud. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got people in church leadership whose marriages are struggling. And I'm not I'm not saying that they need to say in the midst of their marriage struggling, <laughs> but they need to have people around them that they yeah. are willing to trust. You know, I think that when we see people in leadership fall, it's because they did not feel as though they had safe people around them. Uh, about probably seven years ago, I went through an, a, an intense discipleship class at our church and it taught me a lot about just acknowledging sin. Um, and I have a group of girlfriends that I can acknowledge. I really, guys, I'm not lying when I say this. I could bring anything to them, anything. Um, and they would constantly point me to Jesus. They wouldn't shame me. They wouldn't look down on me. Um, they would hold my hand and point me to Jesus. And I think mm. that's what the church needs to be doing is showing people, hey, we're all going to sin until the day we meet Jesus. It's just a fact. We live in a broken world and we're going to um but while we're doing it, we're going to teach you how to fight it, and we're going to teach you how to walk beside each other who are fighting it. That's what I think we need. So how did your own vulnerability and transparency transform your own relationships? Yeah, I mean, when I, I, sh- I shared when I shared that with Maris the first time, my girlfriend, and then it was like over time, I just started to feel like when I share the, these things with people, and it's not like I sit every new friend down and be like, let me tell you my whole life story. But when I'm transparent, you know, even just this morning, I'll give you an example. I was just, I'm in a little Bible study with some girlfriends out here and where I live. And a girl said something about struggling with their husband with something. And one of the girls went, oh my gosh, I love this Bible study because you guys are so real. Hmm. And what happens is when we're willing to acknowledge things we're struggling with is it looks to the next person and says, oh wait, I can say these things too, because it's a safe place. And so I feel like with my friendships... Um, they're safe, they're super safe places. And so your friendships go deeper when you're Mm. willing to see where people are struggling. Yep. When you're just in friendships and everyone's got everything together and no one struggles, it's kind of a lame friendship because you're Mm. just like, wow, I can't share what's happening in my world because you surely won't get it because you have everything together. So, uh, as a marriage and parenting podcast, we, we like to, to bring whatever topic we're talking about back to a, a family type conversation. And it's interesting, you know, the Lord calls us as believers when we get married, you know, to becoming one, we are to be able to share the depth of who we are with our spouse as part of that process of becoming one. But so many people I know in our office, and I'm sure you run into them as well, are very fearful of transparency, specifically within marriage. Maybe speak to that and encouraging wives and husbands and and how you can be more transparent within marriage. Yeah, I remember when Aaron and I were dating and everything that I write in the book, plus more, I knew I needed to bring to the table. Um, And, you know, I mentioned he was on he was working at a church. Um, He was just what I thought the like purest thing anyone could possibly be next to Jesus. You know, that was my perception of him. Um, And I remember having to bring you know, just lay everything on the table in front of him. And I was so, so nervous because I thought to myself, as a human, he has every right to walk away. We're not engaged, you know, all of these things. He can say, this is too much. But then what it came down to is as a Christ follower, 
I feel like a lot of times he had to look at it and say, man, God has forgiven me of just as much. It just looks different. Mm -hmm. Um, And without Jesus, we're all just the same level of just wretched sinners without him. Mm -hmm. And our righteousness only comes through him. And so I feel like a lot of times sharing things with our spouse can be really, really difficult because it's the most, hopefully the most intimate relationship you have here Mm -hmm. on earth. But I think what has helped Aaron and I is that when we both have a clear view of our own humanity and our own sinful nature and our own um, only righteous because of Jesus, I feel like it takes a little bit of our eyes off of whatever the other person is you know, confessing or saying out loud. Now, does that mean it's easy? No. When a husband or a wife confesses a pornography addiction, it's not just like, oh, okay, cool. I'm a sinner too. You know, what do you want to eat for dinner? It's hard and it's messy, um, but it's worth walking through together um, because we both have the realization that without Jesus, both of us are just, we're just nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we have a bigger view of our salvation, I think it helps when someone brings something really messy and scary to the table. I know my own marriage. So 2 Corinthians 7 talks about godly sorrow leading to repentance. There was so much of my own sin that I wasn't sorrowful about, but it was after confessing it to my wife and seeing her sorrow over it that I was really able to connect with that. So, you know, you you sharing those words, I think they're powerful in that uh, really it can be transformative, not only in friendship, but specifically within marriage. Um, yeah, and, and just what it. an honor too to walk along someone. I mean, it doesn't. Mm-hmm, it's, exactly. I don't want to make light of anything because it might not feel honorable in the moment. But what an honor that God says, you know what, this person is going to walk through this sin struggle, yep. and I think that you're the best fit to help them get through that. Whether that's yep. you know in a, a spouse marriage or a friend or a mm-hmm. brother, whatever that might be, there is something to that to say, man, God has almost entrusted me to walk beside this person as well. And that's mm-hmm. a huge honor. Before, I want to ask one more question about transparency, specifically with parenting, and then we'll uh, ask you a few questions about your podcast. But before I do that, I, we need to, Jimmy, we need to have Aaron back on to just ask him how he led Jamie to believe it was Christ and then it was him as far as the level of perfection in life. Yes, exactly. Aaron Living was doing up to that. something right to get yeah. Jamie to believe that. If he was, in he was, I guess, and the Holy Lord. Spirit was moving. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So transparency and parenting, you know, obviously there is some things we shouldn't share with our kids. How do we teach and model transparency for our kids? Where's that delicate balance? Gosh, isn't it hard? Um, one of the number one questions I'm getting when talking about my book is people ask, so have you told your kids all your story? And the answer is no, because it's a lot that's not kid, you know, friendly. Um, I think it's a really delicate balance. And I feel like it is a dance that you'll do different with every single kid. Um, you know, transparency for Aaron and I with our kids, a lot of it right now looks like being kind of vulnerable to say, I'm sorry when I messed up in parenting. Um, I think that's hard as parents because we feel like it makes us weak and our parent and our kids might think that we're just, you know, slacking on our job, which that's giving them way too much credit because they don't think that we really have a job in parenting. You know, we're just their parents. But I feel like vulnerable and transparency with parents, with kids looks a lot like um, apology when you feel as though you've maybe overreacted or spoken out in anger. Um, you know, we've been transparent with our oldest, who's almost 14, um, with some of the parts from our, you know, our past, not everything, but he's, it's age appropriate. So he's getting to the age where he's, you know, noticing girls and all of the things. And so it is age appropriate for us to talk about some of the ways that we maybe messed up when we were 14, 15, 16 years old. And so I feel like it's like, look at the kid 
you know, and it's different. What maturity level are they at? And then really trusting the Lord just to be like, when are the opportunities that I can share something with them? Uh, And Aaron and I are noticing a lot that it's just, it's us looking out for those opportunities more than my son coming to us and asking for those opportunities. You know, we're constantly looking and waiting and then just jumping in whenever we can. You know, I think you're right. It is a, it's a very fine line to walk with our kids as to what's not enough and what's too much when it comes to transparency. The most appropriate thing is, is to communicate often, always, I'm not perfect. Because they, that can, they can really push back when some parent comes across as just holier than thou, can't even spell sin, much less commit one. So admitting to non-perfection. But for parents also to know just to dump on your child everything, that, that can be destructive. Right. That would be destructive to me. Are you kidding? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You got to build so, that up. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, happy hour with Jamie Ivy. Yeah. It's just kind of going crazy. When you started this, did you ever think that your podcast would have reached the limits that it has? Not in my wildest dreams. I was just starting a podcast so I could talk with my girlfriends and let everyone listen to it, which seems weird now that I say that out loud. But I just had spent a little time in radio and I thought this will be a fun little hobby. And I never, ever, ever imagined um, the emails that I would get, you know, and that's what we're talking about with the vulnerability. A lot of women come on and we're sharing parts of their story. And then women are hearing it going, I've never been able to say that out loud to anyone. And she Mm -hmm. spoke right to me. I mean, that is humbling to say the least. I'm so happy with what God's doing with the show. Now we were looking from, because again, you were our first guest Mm -hmm. and you're our first repeat. And we noticed you're up about 50,000 listeners to your podcast since the last time. How much of that is the paradox bump? It's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. No doubt. Okay. Good. No doubt. Because we're not, you know, it's not beneath us. If you wanted to like, you know, cut a check or something. (laughs) Uh, because, you know, hey, you know, a tent maker, you know, yeah, is exactly there you go. Wages. Yes, By the way, yes. you're big on you're big on date nights. And um, we asked you your favorite date night spot. And obviously, there's probably multiple. But you said Contigo here in Austin. And so we quizzed Aaron about where your favorite date night spot was. And OK, well, can no you stop? Clue. Because I know what he's going to say. Oh, he had no what? clue. No, he didn't Not know what clue. it was. Yeah. He drew a blank. I mean, we put him on the spot, but uh, I have a new yeah. one. That was, you know, in 2016, which I don't think we even lived where we live now. So I have a new one. Uh, it, where, where, where is, is it? Chacon, uh, which is owned yes. by the same people, which Correct. is kind of like, yeah, but we love that place as it's, well. Uh, where is that? East fifth or sixth? East sixth, I think. Yes. Yeah. Now listen, and, and, and people who do, you know, both of our families and some of our closest friends that listen, they know that. A lot of times we will re- award someone one of our favorite interviewees and, and by offering them a free dinner at Enchilada Zumas. Love that place, too. However, because you're local, you might take <laughs> us up on it. And so, so we're bypassing that. that today. So you're taking it away because I actually love that place. <laughs> we are absolutely waiting on someone to take Jimbo up on that offer. Someone traveling through town and give us a call. I'll just freak out. If you guys want more information, not only about the podcast, the blog, but also her new book, If You Only Knew, you can check more information out at jamieivy.com. You can find her on Instagram. Just search Jamie Ivy. As well as Twitter, it's Jamie underscore Ivy. Jamie, thank you so much for Jamie, being on. Jamie, appreciate it. Thank you. Y'all are awesome. Thank you. Jamie Ivy, everybody.
I mean, just drop Let's the mic. Let's hear it. Just Let's hear it for Jamie Ivey. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, every time. We love Jamie, and that's why we had her back. I mean, and here's the we deal. love every guest, but we love Jamie. Prior to the advent of podcasts, no one would know, care, learn from, be a part of the experience of someone like that yep. that has so much to offer, to offer. so much yep. to say. She would have never gotten, oh, I'm the wife of the music pastor at a church here. Let me write a book. Correct. No one would have given her a chance to write a book. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's this weird time that we're letting so many people that God has gifted mm-hmm. uh, be heard. They have this, this ability to kind of rise up out of the crowd. So it's uh, what she's been doing is really cool. I never get to toot my writing uh, projects like you do, Jimbo. You have writing? I have like three articles out there. Really? <laughs> I did not know that. One was with Relevant. Janitorial Weekly. I know that you were proud of that. It was on the back page. It's still. actually on Authenticity. <laughs> is it really? Very applicable to it today. It is. <laughs> so just search Relevant Josh Myers. Seriously. And Relevant, that actually is a big deal. I mean. That's kind of the Christianity Today of millennials. Yes. Even though we love Christianity Today, they're Christianity Today. So... For everybody. I loved the authenticity, obviously, and how curative that can be. You know, when you love when I drop that word. Mm-hmm. How helpful that can be within relationships. Guilt is, and we've said this before, but it tells us that we've done something wrong. Shame tells us we are something wrong. Confession, vulnerability, authenticity, true authenticity, and having someone sitting next to us and accepting us in our mess goes a long way in eradicating that shame. It's powerful. So and for someone key. like her to, again, with such a loud voice, a book that's going to be read all over the place, for her to come clean, so to speak, to say, no, 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 vulnerability, authenticity, honesty is more important than pride is is powerful because it's like, oh, if, if that person can do it, well, then I can do it. If they can say that and be accepted, then maybe I can too. Mm-hmm. So I think something like what she's doing here could absolutely catch on. It could have a snowball effect. Yep. Big time. So again, if you only knew, coming out in January, uh, jamieivy.com, you can check out more information there. If you want more information about this show, this particular episode, or the show in general, it's paradoxpodcast.com. I've actually been thinking, since Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey has been so successful, margaritas with Jim and Josh. You made a similar joke the first I time know, we interviewed her. something alcohol-centered. <laughs> I think that's what we're missing in our, in our branding. Happy Hour is focused on actually the emotion of happy. They don't drink. Oh. You might need drinking to make you happy. Oh. But oh, okay. Yeah, it's more the emotion of the happy hour. Okay, I got nothing then. If that's if that's their take. If you want to follow the show or us individually on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, go to paradoxpodcast.com as well. We'll be back with well, I guess after you play this episode, you'll get our content show for the week. Yep. But we'll also be back with another interview next Monday. Y'all take care. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox... 
that it facilitates separateness. Mm -hmm. But you just hit on, I think, a, a key point that then most of the time, and it's not right that it happens, but most of the time, then the spouse responds in a toxic way, right? Yes. And so it's toxicity on toxicity. And it's weird. It can like happen in small ways, but like two ships that just are a degree off over 10 years are going to be miles apart. And so it's it's crazy that it can happen in such small ways, ways that we don't necessarily even know on the surface. And yet it can end up that you guys are miles apart as spouses. The problem is is almost sort of self-evident how that facilitates separateness and over a long period of time can develop this. Well, if they're not, if I'm not number one with them, well, they're sure as heck not going to be number one with me. And then here you go, beginning to live these parallel lives under one roof. If we're talking about the solution, how do we do that? Number one, I don't even think there's a close second. And I'll just talk to the husbands. You go there a dime a dozen, I think quite literally at Walmart, and you get a cup that says number one wife. 